Whenever there was injustice, tyranny, ruthlessness, the Red Skull was there, attacking the weak and helpless. Day by day, my power grew. Armies were destroyed. Cities were leveled at my command. No one was safe from my ruthlessness. Drinking this beer takes balls. I'm Torn Atkinson. This anatomy sucks. Penis, let's split. I'm Kevin Leeson. I'm not sure about this senior art project. Abort! Abort! I'm Chris Woods. Orca attacking a great white? I'd have thought they'd be chums. I'm Joe Fulgham, and this is Caustic Soda! Burns, it burns! Caustic Updates. Mm. Featuring Chris Woods. Yay! Repeat guest Chris Woods is back. Looks like to be a repeat guest. It's very much like eating Mexican. I'll say that exactly (laughs) the same way again. (laughs) So, uh, in the interest of getting to know Chris Woods a little better, peeling back this layer of skin... That yes. we all see on the outside so layers. to get to the juicy we, red we're not interior. We're satisfied with the epidermis. Yeah. We want to see the dermis. That is, Show that us is your not, dermis. That's not going to work so well in an audio podcast, though. Is Chris got any phobias? I think my phobias from when I was a child are more interesting. Uh-huh. In okay. I had fear of ghosts, which is, I believe, phantasmophobia. Oh, wow. Or phasmophobia. I also had a fear of... That was of... Because, you, because you saw poltergeist. True or not true? That's a good question. I know I also have a fear of grays or aliens right. like from Close Encounters because you I still saw do? that Close as Encounters. a kid and it scared the jeebers out of me. <laughs> so and you, you still have those fears or you had those fears as a child? The ghost one, zero, but I still get a little clinch when I see a gray from, you know, those... Hmm. When they, come, when they come through your window at night. Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> that's right, I roll so, over. Honey. <laughs> Gray's here, anally it's, probing me again. That's right. It's back. Uh, now, so how did this manifest, this fear of ghosts? You just, like, thought about them and got the quivers, or you thought you saw them, or when something weird would happen, you'd get all kind of, like, clenchy, pee your pants or something? What happened? How did it go It's down? mostly just lying in bed. I remember vividly, we lived in Edmonton uh, on the military base. Mm, I'm scared <laughs> That's what I have. I'm I have, sure, Edmund, I have yeah. Edmontonophobia. I don't know where it came from, but it was mostly me lying in bed with my eyes clenched tight. Either I'm going to look in the doorway and there's a ghost, right. or mm-hmm. I'm going to look out the window and there's going to be a UFO hovering. Oh, wow. The so, duel. So your response yeah. to uh, your phobias was just to close your eyes. Just to lie there and take it. Just to be like, <laughs> nice. I can't conquer this and I won't even try. Did you refuse to go to graveyards? Or Roswell. <laughs> okay. Or Roswell graveyards. Here's my question. If <laughs> if aliens are visiting Earth and they accidentally crash, are there ghosts, alien ghosts now right. living on our planet? Are you I, even more worried I, I about think, alien ghosts? I got to leave, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm writing that down from next week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anybody sure. else uh, afraid of ghosts or aliens as a child? I was afraid of stepping on a crack because it would break my mother's back. Oh, legit? Uh-huh. You were legitimately scared of that? Probably. Oh, wow. <laughs> 
for a while. Okay. And then he was like, oh, right. fuck my mom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be for that. I that might happen. I but... accidentally stepped on a crack without realizing it, and then my mother's back didn't break. So I guess, well, I guess that's. <laughs> I guess that's BS. So much for that. That's, that's science. So, <laughs> so, Mr. Woods, any life threatening injuries? Nothing that really stands out. I had my share of twisted ankles that's about as bad as it ever got mm, okay now, i and never a broken save it limb. for our ankle episode yeah it was pretty intense <laughs> it was pretty tough <laughs> you know that 30 seconds that it really hurt right and then it sort of hurt for maybe a week mm-hmm. uh no physical injuries i have suffered from a medical condition clinical depression since i was about 19 or 20 all right. Now, what's the difference between regular depression and clinical depression? I don't know the exact science, but it's, it's an It's underlying... when you go to the doctor and you feel depressed there in his clinic. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why did I come here? Or maybe uh, <laughs> just the regular de- regular depression is the thing that you can hide in. That's something that you trip in, like in your front lawn or something. Depression <laughs> in the yes. lawn. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, you just get a roller I and s- fill that in. <laughs> I suffered from depression when I fell into the ditch. <laughs> yes, precisely. That's what happened. I yeah. thought that's what we were talking about. I suffered from depression when a car drove over me, and there was a large depression <laughs> in my midsection. <laughs> yeah. Clinical uh-huh. depression is an underlying neurological condition. Best I understand is a shortage of serotonin mm-hmm. in your synapses. So your brain just doesn't function at its top efficiency. So... And it is not uh, predicated on incidents in your life, mm-hmm. such as trauma or your girlfriend breaking up with you. You'd be depressed for a few weeks. Right. But this is a, it's completely arbitrary in its manifestation and that mm-hmm. you're doing fine one day. Next day, you're super so, in the dumps. And So it wasn't like hypnosis where like Ravine would like walk by and like clap <laughs> twice and then all of a sudden you're depressed or clucking like a chicken or, you know, nothing like it's not no. like that. There's no trigger. There wasn't a, uh, a thing that would set it off like a firecracker. Firecrackers. No. Pow! From what I understand, when your brain matures around the age of 19, 20, 21 is when depression will manifest and i do remember having a case of about three or four months where i felt things were very surreal and existential it was almost almost out of body for maybe four months or so in college mm-hmm. and then that kind of abated and then i sort of went back to normal and then that returned here and there in my 20s you know maybe for about a month i would feel things are bad so things is this why really so many bad. college kids have uh, um, pithy slogans on their t-shirts and depressing <laughs> posters on their walls. And as far as I know, the treatment for depression is to buck up. Yes, oh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. To stop uh, being such yeah. a loser. Buck up little trooper. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the immortal words of a great philosopher. Is that what we discussed in our depression episode two years ago? <laughs> I'm pretty sure up. so. I believe so. I'm or sure with the sensitivity the that we were, yeah. we were congratulated for. I've also been told... <laughs> realized uh, it was to buck up. Uh-huh. I've also been told, get with the program. Okay. Oh, yes. okay. Which yeah. program is that? <laughs> That's what I'm still waiting to find out. Oh, okay. They didn't, they didn't specify a program. Right. The, yeah. What, the mm-hmm. depression, uh, over, overcoming depression program? Yeah. Where, where do I sign up for that? Uh, sounds like a good one. So you're probably your doctor's office. And a good is, that program. is that program with the single M or the MME at the end of it? It's old timey. Okay. You get a powdered wig when Programma. you do it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Get Over It program. <laughs> Which, uh, that'll lead me to some interesting things in a moment, but let me... Uh, Bring you all up to date. All right. Oh, sure. Right. Chris's depression minute. But they took up most of your brain. I <laughs> uh, started on antidepressants about 15 years ago. That started helping, certainly. It seemed to relieve some of the worry and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And uh, within the last few months, I've actually started a medication for ADHD. Okay. Because I was having a pretty hard time concentrating and 
my career is sort of in a little bit of a hiatus at the moment and that wasn't helping so i've been on these new meds a med called vivance which is a mm-hmm. she's not pronounced vivance oh <laughs> man oh man i bet you they could charge twice as much if it was pronounced yes. vivance and it has made a tremendous difference to my daily Previously, I felt as though I was in a vice most of the time, sort okay. of metaphysically. H- head in a vice or body in a vice? Just, yeah, or head. Soul not a vice. physical mm-hmm. pain. Yes, the yeah. soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having done other things like cognitive behavioral therapy and counseling, mm-hmm. the tools that I've year- learned through that stuff is actually now that I've started on the Vivance for ADHD, it's also used off-label for depression. But with that antidepressant cocktail, mm-hmm. the Vivance and the therapy i feel as though now i can implement all the therapeutic tools Mm. like exercise and trying to work on your thinking and getting out and doing other things whereas before i didn't i couldn't access you couldn't focus enough therapeutic tools to get you out of the depression yeah Yeah. right yeah so now i'm kind of at 75 percent. so now i've got to do exercise and Right. Be nice to people well, and crap. So, in you our, know, nice enjoy, you know, compassion and all that junk. In our email conversation prior to you coming on to the show, leading up to this, where we were discussing what we were going to talk about on the show, yes. uh, you did say something that I thought was strange mm-hmm. in that you seem to be giving credit to Herman Melville and Moby Dick, a yes. great deal of credit to uh, assisting with uh, yes. this particular personal uh, assault on depression is that the, absolutely and absolutely. so i'm trying to figure out exactly what does maybe the world's most boring book <laughs> <laughs> at least i'm not those people yeah because that, that's I, pretty that's pretty close actually i read moby dick and at the end of it i wanted to shoot myself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you were depressed yeah well um I was depressed i wasted that many days of my life <laughs> i i got onto moby dick through star trek of course uh, oh, various but, mentionings. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wrath of Khan. Yeah. All right. And uh, so I, I downloaded a very excellent audiobook from 1987 read by uh, the king of the audiobooks, the late Frank Muller, and he did most of uh, Stephen King's books. Mm-hmm. So he uh, reads an unabridged edition of Moby Dick with all the tr- introductions and appendices and all the cytology and uh, really, Ugh. you know, you're in for it with this. It's 21 hours of, of straight audio. It occurred to me, like, Shakespeare, Melville, should be heard oh. Oh. rather than read. Right. Okay. Because right. It's, right. Shakespeare was a huge inspiration to Melville, and well, so he aped his style in a lot of ways. It'd be hard to be worse than trying to read it. <laughs> Yes. Mm-hmm. You could have to write it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's true. That's true. <laughs> what it basically boiled down to was there was a different voice in my head for a while when I listened uh-huh. to it. Like it in my dark sort of darkest hours, it was a go to for me to I just need to uh disengage now wait, without before... drinking or doing drugs or something. Right. Did you ever try and read Moby Dick before you got the audiobook? Yes. Okay. And you struggled, right? Of course. Yeah. So when you read it as opposed to listen to it, yep. which voice was in your head uh, as your own voice? Were you more uh, Ahab? You became Moby Dick. Or were yeah. you more Moby Dick? <laughs> which I character did you identify with? Was yeah. it Queequeg? <laughs> well, mostly identify with me being bored out of my mind because you get, there's a famous section that everybody taps out at, I believe it's chapter 23, Cytology. Mm-hmm. And Melville goes oh. into detail on all the science that existed up to that point in eight, to 1850 uh-huh. on whaling. So it's a, it's just a, it's a chum bucket of suffering. <laughs> like it's, yeah. It is tough. 
That's a great way to put it. Now, yeah. how exactly did the audiobook get you over this uh, hump? Well, there's these little this buttons. humpback that whale. You, that no, no, no. Skip. It's a different kind of whale. Sperm whale. <laughs> okay. How did, it get o- how did it get you over the sperm is the correct <laughs> yeah. question. Mm. I know Melville himself supposedly suffered from depression. And right. There's several incidences of him uh, going through it. I know after Moby Dick was a, a critical and financial failure, he went into a pretty bad depression and fought with alcoholism uh-huh. and clearly he worked that out in his writing because ishmael uh, in the very beginning of the book the, there's the famous line call me ishmael mm-hmm. and after that is about a paragraph yeah if i may read it oh uh, i'll do it oh please do yeah so because oh, you're gonna do it in the voice of well that's the question <laughs> call me ishmael <laughs> where's ishmael from he's just from new england i believe so he's a and you have to not Ka- pronounce your T's. Call me Ishmael. Some years ago, never mind how long precisely, having little or no money in my purse and nothing particular of interest to me on shore, I thought I would sail about a little and see the watery part of the world. It is a way I have of driving off the spleen and regulating the circulation. Uh-huh. Whenever I find myself growing grim about the mouth, whenever it is a damp, drizzly November in my soul, whenever I find myself involuntarily pausing before coffin warehouses and bringing up the <laughs> rear of every funeral I meet, yep. and especially whenever my hypos get such an upper hand of me that it requires a strong moral principle to forget, prevent me from deliberately stepping into the street and methodically knocking people's hats off. Then, when I accounted high time to get to sea as soon as I can, this is my substitute for pistol and ball. With a philosophical flourish, Cato throws himself upon his sword. I quietly take to the ship. So he's right. basically saying, instead of killing myself, I go, go on sailing. a I go on a ship and risk yeah. killing myself. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, I get it. it is comforting to read a paragraph about guys trapped in a whaling boat overnight while they, you know, they think they've been lost at sea and realize that. Maybe my nice artist's workshop, you know, with a house next door right. is probably okay. Yeah. At least I'm not that guy. Yeah, huh? there's a lot of at least I'm not that guy I, in there. But. I've talked about it before, but Caustic Soda does that for me. The, yeah, the, We talk about actually terrible, horrible things. And then yeah. when I'm stuck for an extra five minutes in a grocery store lineup, I'm like, this is nothing. Yes. yes People yes. around me are like, can you believe this shit? And I'm like, there is no maggot eating my eyeball. My life is fine. <laughs> I know the term ocular myiasis. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a lot better. Are you kidding? You've, I, would, I would dance. I'm so happy that the terrible things that happen to other people. Like, then we have a fun conversation in the grocery store. I know what feculent emesis is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have not experienced it we've just talked about it our lives mm-hmm. are pretty good that's right <laughs> speaking of whales i have a caustic update mm-hmm. february 9th 2015 okay all mm-hmm. right this is the neptune Islands, south australia a family pod of killer whales stunned a group of divers when they attacked and killed a great white shark near the neptune islands uh local cage diving operators say the region's great whites have now vacated the area after the attack leaving charter companies without their star performers. (laughs) Okay, so hold on a sec. So a pod of whales attacked and killed. I guess killer whales are bigger than great whites, aren't they? Yes. Oh, but yeah, but quite a bit, yeah. They also have killer in the name. Yeah. Yeah. How come they're not killer white sharks? I think that's encompassed in great. Uh, (laughs) Great killers. Oh, Great great white shark. They're great at everything. Yeah. How are you at killing? I'm great. Did you not hear? Great white. How are you at swimming? Great. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How are you at seeing? Uh, great. Hmm? 
I'm great at seeing. I got those eyes in the side of my head. How about dancing? Um, like, oh, I'm I'm white. That's oh. when it comes to dancing. Yeah, but you've done that. Like everything um, else, I'm great. But when it comes to dancing, white. How about you know, like the art of the pickup? Like how are you picking up lady Shark. sharks? There you go. That's what, that's what I, I wanted like to hear. <laughs> Similar events overseas had resulted in sharks staying away from an area for up to eight weeks at a time. The situation was compounded by the fact that boys which offered an archival acoustic warning system to help track tagged resident sharks, failed just weeks prior to the incident. One local dive charter operator stated, Everyone is going to feel the impact of this because we're literally having customers abandoning ship. We're being open and honest with people and saying the chances are slim. The environment snuck up and pulled a swifty on us. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and we need to be able to shift with that. Oh I, I read shift slightly differently when I was looking at those words. Yeah. Do you get a shifty if you pay extra for the charter? <laughs> I like how the the the, uh, the customers are literally abandoning ship, but I'm wondering, I hope they're at dock when they abandon ship. I was going to say, yeah, at sea, probably. <laughs> well, although there's oh no God, sharks there's in, shark the area. in the water, abandoned <laughs> ship. No, there's no, there's no sharks in the water. They're, they're safe to abandon right. ship at sea if they want. Oh, the shark's all gone. Abandon ship. Let's go swimming. Yeah. I'm going to put on my seal costume and go swimming. And of course, Gavin will get mad if we don't mention that sharks don't actually attack people that much. Uh-huh. They're probably pretty safe. Identity theft, though, on oh. behalf of sharks. Oh, it's yeah. Terrible. And do, do not get a loan from them. Just outrageous, <laughs> outrageous interest rates. But speaking of whales. <laughs> yes. Fin whale testicles may not seem like a great ingredient, but Dagbarter Aureliusen, owner of the Steoji Microbrewery in Iceland, okay. disagrees. Iceland. We, we've, I think we've discussed we might have to call Iceland the Florida of the North. I think that is... Of the Arctic Circle? Yeah. Uh, whale testicles smoked with sheep dung are the signature ingredient in his seasonal beer, Hvalur 2. Oh, I wonder what Hvalur 1 was like. Oh, well, just wait a second. Okay. <laughs> Hooray. It's all part of the brewery's passion for ingredients unique to its far corner of the world. Right. Oh, I've got a quote from Mr. Aureliusen. Do it. We started in 2012 because we own this farm in Borgfjör and we wanted to have a job near us at home. Beer is a passion, and German beer making inspires mm-hmm. me. So we connected with the German brewer in Iceland because we we're interested in the German purity law. German purity law? Let's stay clear of that. I am really uncomfortable <laughs> with something German called German purity laws. <laughs> I think it has something to do with beer. Okay. As opposed to. Yeah, so did people. Hitler. And if you know what I'm saying. And Where how pale that and blue eyed that beer should be? <laughs> a beer hall putsch. Steoji Microbrewery has four kinds of year-round beer. Dark, lager, mm-hmm. ale, and mm-hmm. strawberry fruit beer. Strawberry fruit beer. That sounds like the thing that might be up Torrens Alley. Mm. <laughs> uh, but they also make seasonal beers, like the Christmas beer that uses raw licorice as an ingredient. Oh, I want that one. Woo-hoo. The October beer that includes pumpkin seed. Pass. And the Easter beer that is brewed with cocoa and Icelandic seaweed. And bunnies. Oh, uh, yeah, I... Cocoa the ape? <laughs> bunnies and eggs is what you want to put into an yeah. Easter beer. And Jesus. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so it's just the beard shavings and shrouds of Turin. Yes. Right. 
Yeah, you just run it through. You filter it through a shroud of turret. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Perfect. Uh, in in 2013, they brewed their first whale beer, Havaler One. Okay, there we go. The health department at first tried to stop them from producing it, but they eventually relented. They're like, oh, we don't cook or give a shit. This is Europe. That beer used whale meal as the chief ingredient. What's a whale meal? Mm. Whale meal is the byproduct of commercial processing of whale meat. Oh, dear. The, oh, okay. The meat is steamed and broken down into a slurry, releasing Delicious. the oil. Delicious. And the whale oil is right. the primary right. product. Yes. Right. The solid material left over is dried, ground, and marketed as whale meal. Yeah. Whale Yeesh. meal. We don't really have a use for this, but we're not going to throw it out. Somebody well, wants to eat it. We'll put meal in the name. and They made beer out of it at one point. Uh, said Aureliusen of Havaler 1. Hmm. It is sold out immediately. This year for Havaler 2, we want to keep the concept but use a different whale ingredient. We decided <laughs> to use fin whale testicles. Fin whale testicles. Why? Why? How Why? far in... How, I've seen whales before. Okay. Uh-huh. They don't have a ball sack. Right, not dangling. They don't so have a dangly ball sack. So how far in do you have to go to get to the testicles, I wonder? Uh, <laughs> probably not too far. I mean, they're at the tail end. They're at the thinnest end of the whale. I guess that's true. Yeah. You know, one, I mean, so, one, one would imagine. It, 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 in relative terms, it would be the easiest to get to. I disagree. Mm. You've read Moby Dick. Does this come up in the chapter 23? Well, they did make... Wait, <laughs> they made a jacket out of the penis skin, right? Yeah, there yeah. is oh. a chapter in there called the cassock, which they when they talk about... They never say the word penis, but they call it the grandissimus and the indecipherable cone and words of that. <laughs> so they just skin it and cut the top off and dry it and like cut I mean, a neck hole and arm holes and awesome. you got yourself a front to back a coat like a snuggie yeah well, yeah, you know, yeah. This, you know what this actually you know what this sounds like you remember the star wars characters from the the, the action figures from the 70s yeah. mm. whenever you had one that had like a cape like a dark yes. Vader or whatever yes you had this like kind of plastic flat thing and you yeah. had to wrap it around his arms yeah there's mm-hmm. just armholes in it but yeah. it was like super stiff and it didn't really yeah, it wasn't move actually right. fabric it was just a piece yeah. Of plastic. So yeah. Like plastic this is exactly what that sounds like this sounds like a whale <laughs> penis version of that sounds great you don't know i bet it's so soft and supple uh, so the brewery gets the testicles from a whaling company and have a butcher chop it up for use. The testicles are cured according to an old Icelander tradition. Right. Salted and then smoked with sheep dung. Right. A whole testicle. Why don't you just smoke it with wood? Why does it have to be sheep dung? They don't have any wood. It's Iceland. <laughs> All they have is sheep. So smoke it with ice. That's, oh, wait. That is a good idea. Oh, wait. Hold on. That, that doesn't quite work. Or lava. Uh, they call that icing. One whole <laughs> testicle is used in every brewing cycle. Oh, goody. Oh, well, that, without knowing how long the brewing cycle is, it gives me no information. Yeah. <laughs> I have one last quote from Aureliusin, which I quite like. Uh, most of the protests come from people outside of Iceland. People have to remember that the fin whale is not endangered in the North Atlantic, and right. Iceland is known for sustainable fishing and setting quotas for whale on. Sure. There's actually a lot of demand for our beer to be exported, but there are laws that limit which country can import it because of anti-whaling law. So those anti-whaling <laughs> laws are getting in the way of people appreciating fine whale testicle right. beer. Yes. That's right. There's Damn no them to hell! Yeah. Kevin? Yep. You'll try anything once. I will. I would drink this beer. You drink the whale testicle. I would drink whale testicle beer. I'd smell it. I don't even like beer. I'd, tr- <laughs> I'd try it, right? Uh-huh. But, yeah, I... No, I would commit to the whole bottle. I'd commit to the whole bottle. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You're not even just like, I'll take a sip. We should see if we can order this in, and then I can do a caustic update on that. Food follow up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I found out uh, the fin whale testicles weigh about seven to eight kilos each and are about the wow. size of a basketball. Wow. Mm. And just as bouncy. <laughs> no wonder you only need one for one brewing cycle. There's a lot of dribbling. February 2015. The hunt for a suspected Russian submarine off the Scottish coast may have led to a spate of whale and dolphin deaths. Oh. This is like the hunt for Red October, only like, uh, you know, not Some as dramatic. Damage. Yeah. Only more Scottish. 
Yeah, the Scottish are like looking for it instead of being in the Russian this sub. This is the, the hunt for Shamu in February. <laughs> <laughs> Dozens of whales and dolphins have been washed up dead in Scotland and Ireland in late 2014 and early 2015, and their deaths may be linked to military sonar used mm. in the submarine search. Okay, all right. Fifteen Cuvier's beaked whales, which dive deeply and are known to be affected by sonar, are among the mammals washed up. Common dolphins, a mink whale, a sperm whale, pilot whales, a fin whale, and harbor porpoises have oh also God, washed up. That sounds like a little bit, yeah, grab bag. It's a Just, melange, uh, a potpourri of dead whales. And, uh-huh. and all stuff mm-hmm. that like use sonar and are, yeah, mammals. Uh-huh. Uh, whale and dolphin conservation said about the mass stranding, it could be linked to a reported search by British Navy warships for a suspected Russian submarine. However, one naval source said the link was tenuous because the search had not involved active sonar. Okay, well, so, so, they're, so they're not sending the sonar out. So they're not I, think, I think we're burying the, the lead out. here. Yeah. What, what does a Russian sub want with Scotland? That's what I want to know. What, the hell, what well, business do they have in they, Scotland? To, of, to drive by. Oh, really? Because they're up in the north part of the Atlantic. Right. And then to get from there out into the actual Atlantic, they probably go by Scotland a bit. Okay. There are There are naval British naval bases in Scotland that are submarine centric mm. as well so, so it's a staging area it's for not just an attempt so at the baltic so etc yep. so it's not yep. just a russian attempt at upskirts because they got so many kilts there no it's a legitimate uh, intelligence target Ooh. that's what i use my periscope for <laughs> up periscope if you know what i mean they claim that they weren't pumping sound out in the ocean. It was just a much broader game of cat and mouse using sonars that just listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the head of the Scottish Passive Marine hands. Animal Stranding Scheme, SMAS, S-M-A-S-S. <laughs> Wait, what was the name of the other whale operation? Uh, whale and Dolphin Conservation, WDC. Okay. This is SMAS. Uh, so the head of, the, of SMAS said the Ministry of Defense had been asked for details of its operations to try and work out if there's a link. It is possible that these strandings are linked to certain military activity, but the animals were so badly decomposed, we shall probably never know the answer. Okay. All right. A whale well, expert from the Sea Watch Foundation. There's a lot of whale-related This is This, is a, th- <laughs> this is a third whale? Yeah conservation yeah. organization in scotland yeah a whale expert from the sea watch foundation said active sonar had been shown to affect whales and change their diving patterns but it was very difficult to get evidence for individual cases because uh-huh. you know you just find a dead whale yeah and you're like well, I don't know. Uh, what? You, you can't like dust for sonar. he could have been depressed he should have read moby dick <laughs> maybe he got to the cytology part and he was like fuck this <laughs> i'm, I'm teaching myself. myself yeah <laughs> I don't want to know this much about my penis and how you can make a coat out of it. He's got a t- an iPod with tiny little earbuds. No, it's a, it's a love-hate thing about the penis story because they call it giantissimus, right? Like, hey, but then we make a coat out of it. Oh. Yeah. Like, there's one bit. <laughs> a spokesperson from the Wait For It uh-huh. Hebridean Whale and Dolphin Trust, that's four mm. now. That's okay. four now. Said in a typical year they would expect to see one or two whales stranded. And finally, a Royal Navy spokesman said, The Royal Navy works very closely with organizations such as the Cetacean Stranding Information Program. That's five. What? <laughs> on all matters of this nature, we are ready to contribute fully to any investigation if required. Right. Uh, if required. So, yeah, here's the thing about this story. If it's, <laughs> if it's true that they weren't sending an active sonar, then, yeah, I mean, just listening for sonar is not going to muck up a whale. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unless the but, Russians were sending out active sonar. There you go. So what they're saying Which is they the Russians did it. Okay. okay. Yeah, we didn't. The Russians totally I think did. we all know how randy your average sailor is. And considering all the scandals in the United States Navy concerning sexual uh, misconduct, I think they had the whales on the ships for a party, oh, molested nice. them, yeah. mm-hmm. left them dehydrated right. after all, their, all the alcoholic drink so, they poured in their gullets. So what you're saying is this is a beaching of shame. 
<laughs> yeah. That this is the next day. <laughs> well, they partied and they hard. Tried to, they tried to stumble home <laughs> from hang, hanging sure. out with these partying uh-huh. soldiers and ended yeah. up on the beach. The sailors, I, quote, said, those whales were fine when we left them, man. <laughs> it brings a whole new meaning to the term tail hook. That's right. We walked we walked them back to their pod and they were seemed fine to us. Well, I just love how many whale conservation organizations are in Scotland or I don't operate think it, in I don't and around think Scotland. enough, quite frankly. Because I mean, how much do the Scottish love whales? I had no idea. Well, there's that hobby, whale spotting. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they made is a movie the, about it. Is there an organization that oversees all the other or- whale organizations though? We're going to have to make one. The yeah. Whale Organization uh, <laughs> Oversight Institute. Exactly. Woo-wee! <laughs> On April 17th, 2008, the Yale Daily News printed an article detailing the process by which Aliza Schwartz, Schwartz. that sounds like a made up name, (laughs) uh, inseminated herself artificially over the course of nine months, during which she also induced abortions using abortifacient drugs. Oh, okay. Schwartz planned on exhibiting video recordings of the forced miscarriages as well as preserved collections of the blood. Okay. What should Elisa Schwartz sound like? Uh, yeah, just make her sound farty. Just make her sound like, yeah. <laughs> you can do that. Right? I believe strongly that art should be a medium for politics and ideologies, true. not just a commodity. True, all true. I think that I'm creating a project that lives up to the standard of what art is supposed to be. Lives also up? Also true. Mm-hmm. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wanda... Wanda Franz, president of the National Right to Life Committee, denounced Schwartz as a serial killer with major mental problems and likened oh, her project sure. to mm. Nazi Nazi experiments during the Holocaust. That's interesting. Can That's I, interesting. No problem with that sentence at all. Can I pick an opinion somewhere in the middle? <laughs> yeah. This is dumb, but, but so is that. Shades yes. of gray, Joe. Shades of gray. Oh, I think this story gets a heck of a lot dumber before we're done. Oh, good. Hours after the initial story broke, a firestorm of press coverage brought down the Yale Daily News website. Oh. Yale issued a press Uh-oh. release stating, Miss Schwartz is engaged in performance art. Right. Her art project includes visual representations, a press release, and other narrative material. Okay. Mm. She stated to three senior Yale University officials that she did not impregnate herself and that she did not induce any miscarriages. The entire project is an art piece, a creative fiction designed to draw attention to the ambiguity surrounding form and function of a woman's body. So she didn't actually do any of that stuff she said I, she was This doing. is what Yale is I saying. I don't really care. Fascinating. Yale is saying that the art project That's not what I care about. is mm. the claim that right. she made this... This okay. project. Okay. That's the art project. And the uproar is the By giving the, that the defense, what they're saying is if she really did it, we'd be on your side. And yes. I don't think they should. No. Well, also, they, okay, they, let's this, keep going. We're not story, done. This story yeah. still isn't over, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Yale Daily News then went on to report that Schwartz called the university statement ultimately inaccurate. Right. <gasps> she reiterated- She would, that- performance artist she reiterated that she did in fact use a needless syringe to insert semen into herself okay. then at the end of her menstrual cycle she took or- abortifacient herbs to induce bleeding herbs she, herbs. she admitted that mm. she does not know whether or not she was ever actually pregnant sure but okay. that she did what she says that she did sure okay. The dean of Yale's art school threatened to ban Schwartz from displaying her project unless she wrote a confession attesting the project was a fiction and that no human blood would be used. So remind me again what the display was supposed to be. It was supposed the display was supposed to be video okay. recordings of the forced miscarriages as okay. well as preserved collections of the blood. Okay. 
Schwartz made no such statement and subsequently submitted a different senior project. She denied ever admitting mm. to university ah. officials that her project was a hoax, no. although a Yale spokeswoman then claimed that this denial was also part of Schwartz's performance, right. mm. that Schwartz had promised the university she would deny having admitted the project was a fake if the university ever stated so publicly. Everything I say is a lie. <laughs> so this is like that guy who way back wanted to cra- crush a rat, and really what he wanted to do was get people angry that he was going to sure crush a did. rat, and he was yeah. never actually going to crush a rat. I get it. Correct. Art. <laughs> because, as we all know, arguing is such a rare thing amongst humans that we need to foment argument wherever we can in order to preserve it yes. for future ages. Oh, okay, well, here's the question. Let's take a vote. Who thinks she actually <laughs> did what she said she was going to do and then lied? Because I don't think the Yale people are lying. I think the mm. Yale people are actually repeating what she said to them. But the question is, did she lie in her statement to the newspaper or did she lie to Yale saying that she never did what she said she did? I think she did what she said she was going to do. Right. Right, right. I and think she anybody would Yale. go to this much trouble. Yes. Why not go that further step and yeah. actually right. do all this stuff to your body? And that she lied to Yale saying, no, 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 I never did this. That's the, uh, the art project is the you, claim because she wanted to be able to get to display You it. can't think of a reason why not to inject semen into your vagina no. and then take abortifacient drugs? <laughs> Every you single night. Why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> yeah. Just so that you could say it. Why would you just say that? Why wouldn't you do it? I can think of a whole bunch of reasons why not to. So, Joe, you think that she didn't do any of this? She's making it up. I'm uh, fully able to keep kind of a uh, uh, a Schrodinger's cat kind of thing in yep. my head where I'm able to just yeah. kind of assign a chance to it 50-50 yeah. or something. Uh, I'm going to say 30% chance she did it, right? A reasonable. Okay, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't yep. care. That. I don't care that she did it. If she did it and nobody gave a fuck, then that would be great. That would be. Mm-hmm. I would be like, yeah, <laughs> good, good shot at trying to do art. We're all ignoring you because it's a dumb idea, right? But then she gets the upsetness, which actually makes a little bit of art actually happen. Congratulations, mm-hmm. shitheads from the National Right to Life Committee. Yeah. You're giving attention to this terrible, terrible thing that this person's doing. And I don't mean terrible because of blood and stuff. I mean just not fucking creative. Yeah. It's not creative. This is not a good idea. You're a student. Where she's a student, right? She I'm, was a student. Don't yeah. stop me now, Kevin. <laughs> she was no, a student. No, <laughs> I know it sounds like I don't care. The thing is, I don't nope. care so much that I care about how much I don't care. <laughs> this, oh, like, you're, you're becoming the art project yourself. You're yeah. becoming a living embodiment yeah. of her art project. And you know what? I should get a better fucking grade than she did on this. Because <laughs> this is more art than hers. You're the worm Oribos. Well, Mr. Woods. Tail. I was going to yeah. say. You are our, our, our resident art expert. Expert. Uh, what, what do you vote? What expert, do you think happened? Yes. Did she do it? Did she not do it? Um, I, I agree with both Joe and Torn in that she gave it the call. Try <laughs> and actually did probably get for starters. She'll have plenty of willing uh, male friends. I'm sure will contribute the the semen. No, semen. no. I wouldn't do it. What? And it, well, that is also true. Hey Joe, I'd could say, I borrow some semen for an art project? No, no. I'm going to put it in me, and then I'm going to no. But it's for art. I think she did try it. I'm sure she used semen. I'm sure she did the actual thing, and it, it's as she said, in that she just did the thing. Probably never bothered taking a pregnancy test because it yeah. was irrelevant anyway. Mm. Took the herbs. So here's the question. <laughs> and then is is the is the project that she claims she made art, or is the argument that it fomented art, or are neither of them? I think it's all art from it's, start to finish. It's a smidgen mm. of art, but it's not very good. <laughs> Depends on it's the definition of art, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah. Now I I'm think, just talking about words. I think the people who are really at fault is the university for. Clearly writing a phony 
you know, dissembling their. I think that their press release contains some untruths. Oh, really? Yeah. Or I, does uh, it contain art? Yeah, but that's not their job. <laughs> not to All of a sudden, Yale administrative officials are artists. Yeah, I, I think, think so. I think a whole so. bunch of white guys panicked and were like, how the fuck are we going to word our way out of this, uh-huh. talk our way out, spin it? Yeah. Oh, she did. She really just didn't do it. And that's what, yeah, she told Dave yeah. that in a parking lot. So we're going to go with that. <laughs> And Don't people just... who teach art know how to defend it from criticism, like the, the proper way? But I'm sure to the teachers do. I'm sure outrage. this went right no. up to the PR department, and they okay. this is all they're doing. The press release. And Good job, like, uh, guys. We got to get this blood out of here, <laughs> quick. <laughs> so they're they're scrambling because there's probably rich jerks that give a lot of money to their university that are pro life. I got some more air quotes art. Okay, teenage artist Rodman Daniel Edwards has designed a sculpture to replace the Bill Cosby bust <laughs> outside the TV Hall of Fame. Oh. Okay, well, that bust, were he to be found guilty of the things he's being accused of? Uh, it's pretty obvious that he is. He probably, you know, it, it seems to be that he's probably going to be found guilty. If it turns out to be true, mm. that bust could probably use some replacing. Mm-hmm. Or just removal, destruction. Yeah. Or we could lo- just at least not call it a bust, because <laughs> that might provoke him. Oh, they call it the Bill Cosby busted, and they just, just well, show except- him with like a, <laughs> they hang a, a, a sign around his neck like the, he's getting a mugshot. The Bill Cosby bust that <laughs> oh, we all... Like that, actually. The Bill Cosby yeah. bust that we all need was him getting arrested for this bullshit that he did for decades, yes. not, not getting caught. Mm-hmm. It's a bronze statue in the likeness of a nude Bill Cosby, circa mm-hmm. 2015, so mm-hmm. an old nude Bill Cosby, with a crying <laughs> fat Albert, arms outstretched in the place of the genitals. Yeah. Oh, God. So I must see this. So you've got Bill Cosby standing there, <laughs> okay. naked. Yeah. yeah. Pot-bellied. And then, yeah, man instead of a, instead of his junk, his normal junk, uh, instead okay. of his penis, instead of his penis and you've balls, you've got a fat Albert. There's a fat Albert. It's the full body. You can see his little legs dangling down where the testicles would yeah. be. <laughs> well, although his belly is kind of the testicles. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> fat Albert's belly kind of looks like testicles. And then they has, but do. then he's got feet coming out the bottom. Yes. And he's in kind of like kind of like the crucifix. That would be kind of nice. You could you could sit down and they could like hold themselves up for a bit. That'd be okay. You could anyway. look, maybe in fat, maybe in fat Albert's arms. Maybe if they're just if they put them at the right angle. You could like you know rest a drink there or something like a <laughs> yeah, like a, like a prehensile big, a big yeah. gulp cozy. Hey hey hey, little fat Albert, hold this drink for me. <laughs> oh. hey, this coffee's hot. Give me a container to hold it with. <laughs> Would you have to have a flap? <laughs> the artist air quotes said, "I wanted to deal with this." particular current event because i was a big fan of fat albert when i was very young i felt the need i felt i needed to speak up and show what i think of this through my art mm-hmm. mm. here's right. what i think i think that he should get his penis replaced with a little fat albert oh with in real life doubt. oh that should be a I, sentence maybe that's what the oh. art means mm. his penis brought harm to the world so uh-huh. we should yeah, replace yeah. it with something that brought joy to the world or, or maybe it should just tell everybody <laughs> that it's down there and it's on its way hey <laughs> It's kind of putting the bell on the cat to save the mouse, right? It's like... Is this just an artist's interpretation of his old flabby body, or did he actually get like a 3D scan of, of Bill Cosby? Like while he's going through airport know. security or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, guessing some cut and paste was done with yeah. uh, Mr. Cosby's head yeah, and an yeah, anonymous gentleman's... Uh, it's a very realistic looking face sure. representation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? It's a good job. It's it had, well yeah. designed. Has yet to be completed. This yeah, is while still he's waiting in, yeah. for a commission from the TV Hall of Fame, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we will do this, they uh, said. Yeah. <laughs> Unequivocally. <laughs> now, 
Stendhal syndrome. That is when you are waiting outside the dean's office. Stand. Stand in the hall mm-hmm. syndrome. Yeah. That's where you went with that. Yeah. AKA Yikes. hyperculturemia. <laughs> uh-huh. AKA okay. Florence syndrome. Okay. Is a psychosomatic disorder that causes rapid heartbeat, dizziness, fainting, confusion, and even hallucinations mm-hmm. when okay. an individual is exposed to an experience of great personal significance, particularly when viewing art. Okay. Wow. Okay. The illness is named after the 19th century French author Stendhal, a pseudonym of Marie-Henri Bell, All right. who described his experience during his 1817 visit to Florence in his book Naples and Florence, A Journey from Milan to Reggio. Mm-hmm. When he visited the Basilica of Santa Croce, he saw Giotto's frescoes for the first time and was overcome with emotion. He wrote, mm-hmm. I was in a sort of ecstasy from the idea of being in Florence, uh, close to the great man whose tombs I had seen. Absorbed in the contemplation of sublime beauty, I reached the point where one encounters celestial sensations. Celestial <laughs> sensations? Wow. Everything spoke so vividly to my soul. Ah, if only I could forget. I had palpitations of the heart, what in Berlin they call nerves. Oh, wait, why? In, in, in Ber- Berlin they call them nerves. <laughs> okay. I don't... Wait, why, why Berlin? I, <laughs> I didn't believe nerves. Oh, maybe in 1817, nerves was a specifically German uh, term. I don't know. Life was drained from me. I walked with the fear of falling. Oh, okay. Mm. Mm. Fascinating. Although there are many descriptions of people becoming dizzy and fainting while taking in Florentine art. Maybe it's just because they're all like on the ceiling and they all have their heads like craned back and they get kind of dizzy and fall over. I usually get dizzy and have uh, hallucinations while I'm having a good Florentine cookie. Okay. Or uh, eggs Florentine. The the Benny with the the spinach on it. I know. I just feel restful and nappy after drinking Celestial Sensations Sleepy Time Tea. (laughs) Yes, of course. Oh, that's maybe what it's named from. That's where they got their... uh, uh, the name of those particular herbal teas. It's made teas. from, yeah, ground-up frescoes. It goes right into your teeth. <laughs> no, ground-up stendals. Especially at the Uffizi. 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 Dating from the early 19th century on, the syndrome was only named in 1979 when it was described by Italian psychiatrist Graziella Margarini, who observed and described more than 100 similar cases among tourists and visitors in Florence. <laughs> so Stendhal didn't even get to, he didn't even get to enjoy the syndrome in his own lifetime. Right. That's a real shame. There is no scientific evidence to define the Stendhal syndrome as a specific psychiatric disorder. So basically he saw some people getting uh, moved by art and said, I am... Call this a syndrome. I sure. think it's probably just like people have been wandering around the museum for a while, yeah. like a little dehydrated. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's blood right. sugar. It's more I, like art fatigue. I tell you, when I when I used to go Christmas shopping, this is like, yes. you know you had I, Stendhal syndrome. I, well, you called it. You call I called it mallhead is what I called it. But right. I would get very lightheaded, <laughs> right? Yes. and I couldn't take it anymore. And it was uh, it wasn't. It certainly I didn't feel a celestial sensation. <laughs> well, you know, but you I, did walk with fear of falling. Yes, I did. I felt I walked with fear of falling constantly. Ironically, best cure for mallhead? Mallhead.
looking on the bright side Though I'm walking in the shade Sticking out my chest, hoping for the best Looking on the bright side of life I'm waiting for the right tide And if luck comes to my aid Giving me a break, I shall be awake Looking on the bright side of life Today I'm in the shadow Tomorrow, maybe The clouds will lift And let the sun shift over to me I'm looking on the bright side Though today's all care and strife I can wear a grin Keeping up my chin Looking on the bright side of life Seeing as I was talking about syndromes Yes Jerusalem syndrome is a mental phenomena involving the presence of either religiously themed obsessive ideas, delusions, or other psychosis-like experiences that are triggered by a visit to the city of Jerusalem. Okay, that sounds. Yeah, right. I got okay. most of the information in this article, uh, in this uh, section, from an article entitled "Why Do People Go Crazy When They Go to Jerusalem." <laughs> right. Uh, it is not endemic to one of single religion or denomination, but has affected Jews, Christians, and Muslims of many different backgrounds. The three types of the manifestation are, in type one, cases where the subject exhibited a previous psychotic illness. Right. Number two, cases where the subject presented previous idiosyncratic ideas. And number three, cases where the subject seemed previously balanced and devoid of any signs of psychopathology, but becomes psychotic after arriving in Jerusalem. So what they're saying is there's people who are uh, loopy. Mm-hmm. People who have shown a few loopy signs mm-hmm. and people who aren't loopy. Correct. Jeez. Okay. Uh, Where does that leave the rest of us? I, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get, get into a little more. I mean, obviously, type number three is the one that most people are interested in because when you are previously loopy and you show up and act loopy, then it's not that big a surprise. Uh, but the ones where people have shown no signs whatsoever of yeah. a psychotic break but then arrive in Jerusalem and have one, those are the most interesting too. Yeah, this psychiatrist one. This study brought to you by the Jerusalem Tourism Board. Visit yeah. Jerusalem. Go crazy with us. <laughs> the psychosis is characterized by an intense religious theme and typically resolves to full recovery after a few weeks or after being removed from the area. Right. A distinct <laughs> pattern of behavior has been noted. Wow. Right. Step one. Anxiety, oh. agitation, nervousness, and tension. Okay. That, that might just be because you're in the Middle East, though, too. Yeah, it's very right? hot you know? there. Like, uh, rockets flying overhead yeah. semi-regularly. Yeah. Uh, sign number two. Declaration of the desire to split away from the group or family and tour Jerusalem alone. I think that's just a sign that the tours suck there. Tourist tourist guides aware of Jerusalem syndrome may at this point refer the tourist to an institution for psychiatric evaluation (laughs) in an attempt to preempt the subsequent stages of the syndrome. So as soon as somebody says, (laughs) oh, I'm going to split off from the group. You're crazy. Oh, take this pamphlet. (laughs) Here's a map to the crazy Tourist guides are right on the front line of mental health, you know, know, assessment and uh, treatment. (laughs) Yeah, I made it as a joke that this was from the tourism board, but I think now maybe this is actually from (laughs) them. No, no, stay on our tours and don't forget to tip your tour guide well. Don't take meds just go to the top floor on our sightseeing bus <laughs> symptom number three a need to be clean and pure obsession with taking baths and showers compulsive oh. fingernail and toenail cutting oh uh, what is it with these tourists insisting on being clean <laughs> it's just relative compared to what's around them well they are you know it is probably very sandy there i haven't been to jerusalem myself right. but i bet there's a lot of dust in the air uh, sand mm. in your shoes all the time yep. underneath your toenails in your bathing suit area 
Mm-hmm. In your rifle action, like it's hard to keep your machine gun working. Yeah. Right. Uh, symptom number four: dressing often with the aid of hotel bed linen in a long toga-like <laughs> gown, which is always white. Oh lordy! <laughs> Going all Jesusy. All right. Okay, uh, that one. Now we're onto something. Yes. <laughs> we're onto something. All the rest of us like I need to be clean and pure. You're just complaining that they're showering and mm-hmm. you don't. This like, reminds me of that episode of Black Books where Bill Bailey swallowed the little book of calm. <laughs> oh, yeah? And he came out of the hospital wearing like yeah. a sheet. <laughs> Going around, turning off car alarms, yeah. calming dogs. Oh yeah, nice. By standing in front of them and putting his hands out. <laughs> Uh, symptom number five, the need to shout psalms or verses from the Bible or to sing hymns or spirituals loudly. Uh, Manifestations of this type serve as a warning to hotel personnel and tourist guides mm. who should then attempt <laughs> to have the tourist taken for professional treatment. They're like I, the mafia of the tourist industry over there. I like that they just have an excuse for your shouting verses from the Bible. Go see a psychiatrist yeah. and get out of here. In Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah, there's no actually. The entire system of government is there just the tourism board. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. All the institutions. Yeah. Mm. How can we capitalize on that place that everybody wants to go to and everybody fights over mm-hmm. constantly? Symptom number six, a procession or march to one of Jerusalem's holy places, like the Western Wall, for sure. instance. Also yeah, part but, of the tour. But people uh-huh. do, yeah. Wailing. But wall. Keep wink, in mind. Wailing. Keep, keep in mind, they are freshly showered. They have uh, been cutting their toenails and fingernails obsessively. Sure. They have dressed in hotel bed linen in a long toga like gown. Yep. Right. And they are shouting psalms or verses from the Bible. Okay. And making a procession to the Western Wall. Aside from the psalms and verses from the Bible, this sounds like a pretty good party. <laughs> uh, it's symptom number seven delivery of a sermon in the holy place. <laughs> the sermon is typically yes. based on a plea to humankind to adopt a more wholesome, moral, simple way of life. Right. Such sermons are typically ill prepared <laughs> and disjointed. <laughs> we see those also in the downtown east side. Yes, yeah, yeah, Vancouver. Uh, one study reported 1,200 total cases of Jerusalem syndrome over a period of 13 years, 42 of which were type number three, no previous sign of psychosis before the event. So 1,200 in 13 years. Over 13 years. years. Yeah, yeah, so about 100 a year, a little yeah. less. So about one every... Three days. Ten days, or three days, yeah, yeah. sorry. One every three days or so, mm-hmm. three or four days. So yeah. about two a week. But yeah. only 42 of those were... Were, were with no previous psychosis right. Right. over 13 years. So that, that is so uh, mostly three it's, a year. That seems year. to me like to be the significant ones. Right. Worth mentioning. Right. So the only three of them a year are from people who have no previous evidence of psychosis. Yeah. I wonder how many people go on those tourism... A lot. Thousands yeah. and thousands uh, and thousands. I say like a dozen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Well, I haven't been, so I can't be that popular. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go ballpark. Twenty really every are, year. Are are you the 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 canary in the mine shaft when as it comes as, to tourism? As far as I'm concerned, really. So where where have you been? Uh, I've been to the aquarium a few times here in Vancouver. Okay, all right. Very popular. Very so popular. Also Va- noticed some crazy people in shrouds making sermons. <laughs> so the Vancouver Aquarium is so the it might only... have been just a, a colony of jellyfish. <laughs> That's the only tourist thing worth going to in the entire world. Because it's the one you've been to. Well, it's close. Okay. Yeah, right. I saw fifty There's... crazy guys in a whale costume in the one of the tanks, like swimming around. Like that's mm. clearly very you know insane. Why do I always have to be the tail end? <laughs> Well, I get to be the grandissimus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know in preparation for this episode, Chris, you started telling us that uh, yes. you are a uh, a chess a novice chessy a chessy. Dude. You're chessy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is sure. that an actual term? No, Chessoid? it is not. <laughs> one uh, of the chess file. Uh, one of my other pursuits. Oh, chessophilia. To fight 
depression is to torture yourself by trying to learn the most difficult game ever invented oh, by reading humankind. the most difficult book and learning the most difficult game yeah, yeah. Just take a break dude that's uh. what i'm saying to myself now maybe you know tetris or something a little simpler sorry right. what do you like most about chess is it little horsies Oh, it is. I love them. <laughs> you make little noises because they get to jump over the other That's pawns right. and pieces. That's right. They go in like a, a half, half T. I, you can call it an L shape if you want, but I prefer half T. <laughs> Capital T. As an artist who likes to do duf- difficult stuff and challenge myself to continue to get better at it, I like chess because it is a game that you never truly master or understand. It's uh, and You never master it because you're dumb? In my case, certainly, because I, yeah, I'm still, I, because I'm pretty sure I mastered it last week. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, the thing, pretty sure. the thing you're supposed to do is get your king to the other side. Is that true? No, no, no. that's, that's capture the opponents. That's checkers. <laughs> well, no, you eat all the little pills and then you bite the ghosts. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then yeah, when a right. fruit pops up, <laughs> yeah. You get that too. It's challenging and fascinating, and I also like the history. There's a lot of really neat history about it because it's a very ancient game. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I, initially, I I was led to understand that it was invented in a caustic fashion in one of the early centuries of of the Anno Domini period mm-hmm. yeah. uh, by a, a Hindu prince who had supposedly killed his brother in battle by mistake, and his mother said, why did you kill your brother mm-hmm. in battle? And he said, well... I was doing this, and I did that, and then, oh, let me just make a map and show you oh, the pieces. Right. Oh, okay. And supposedly, he invented chess by... And then his mom was like, why are the towers moving? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Oh, no, they can only move in a straight line, because you got to push That's him, right. And your so, husband's super fat, so he only we... moves one, and you're awesome. That's right. So you get to move anywhere you want, Mom. <laughs> Uh, some of the best chess players that have ever lived might demonstrate the fine line between genius and insanity. Mm-hmm. Determining who becomes a grandmaster is a complex formula, but only about the top 0.02% of all tournament players ever get to the top. So I don't understand mm-hmm. this complex formula. I, I, Can you create a game to explain to me? <laughs> That's right. Yes, 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 yes. Chess master the game. people become grandmasters <laughs> right. of chess. Okay, look at these thousand beads. This bead represents you. Uh, Do we have anybody out there who's looking for an idea for a game? Because you should totally make a chess master simulator game. Okay. All right. <laughs> like, you don't ever play chess. You play the person who plays chess. Right. And then you just press buttons and he levels and up he his chess. And whether wins or not, depending yeah, on his yeah. like, ability. Yeah, you decide where you go and what right. appearances you make. And, right, right. Yeah, sure. yeah. There Got we it. go. Extra tweed... Uh, extra patches on your tweed coat that are yep. just like all up and down your arm on oh, all yeah. sides. Yeah. yeah, like customizing your ride in Gran Turismo or something, <laughs> right? Yeah. Carlos Torre Repetto. Born in 1905 and uh, died in 1978, Torre Repetto had a whirlwind career and made a name for himself by defeating world champion Emmanuel Lasker in the 1925 Moscow International Tournament. Okay. His other accomplishments were inventing the Mexican defense and the Torre attack. Oh, sounds How- like a sex move. However, he, oh, yeah. he only played professionally between the years 1924 to 26 before suffering a mental breakdown. Oh, so he only played for like two years when he was yeah. when he was like 17 to 20 years old? Uh, that's uh, 19 to 21. Oh, okay. Mm. Uh, apparently caused by a combination of losing a game to Edward Lasker and being jilted by his fiance, oh. he never played chess again. What? <laughs> While in New York City, he took off all of his clothes after getting on a bus and was later hospitalized. Okay. All right. Should all have right. done it in Jerusalem. He might have uh, got a book deal out of it. That's right. Uh, just send him over here. Uh-huh. It's just Jerusalem doing that to him. Akiba Rubenstein. 
This Polish grandmaster who lived between 1882 and 1961 learned to play at the age of 16 and became a mainstay on the world chess scene in 1912 after winning five major tournaments in a year. Mm. That sounds like a lot. Yeah. Mm. For the following couple of decades, he remained a very strong player. Many considered him for a time better than world champion Emmanuel Lasker. He was well known for being a talented endgame player. Mm. We flipped the table. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now we know how Torn wins at chess. Yep. Or, or no, he flips the table and goes stalemate. His, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His pronunciation of checkmate was flawless. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so good at that. Yeah. Checkmate. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're so good at that endgame. Mm-hmm. However, Rubenstein quit playing tournaments altogether in 1932 as a result of a long battle with mental illness. Mm-hmm. He began demonstrating such a profound fear of people and society, known as anthrophobia, that when the Nazis came to haul him off to a concentration camp during World War II, <laughs> they actually left him where he was. <laughs> God. Too crazy to be yeah. exterminated. When you're oh, Nazi crazy, <laughs> wow. Jeez, you're that's... Out- <laughs> Well, uh, silver lining to that story? Like, think about it. <laughs> so, that's, a, that's a silver lining to that story, right? Pretty much. Well, yeah. how how nervous and fearful of people in society do you have to be that when the Nazis come to round you up, yeah. they go, this one is too scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want him in a concentration yeah, camp. He's going to he rile up all the other, the other Jews. He's going to rile up all the other hey, Jews. Yeah, this hey, worse. Hey, if true. you're not going to be calm about being rounded up and put into a concentra- <laughs> concentration camp, then just fucking forget it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you, no... No concentration camp for you. Nah, that's true. Denied. Yeah. It's the concentration camp Nazi. Uh-huh. Oh, God. But we're better. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Thank you. Let's move on. Number three, Alexander Alekhine. Russian-born Alexander Alekhine, who spent most of his life in France, Portugal, and Spain, was the fourth world chess champion mm. and wildly... Con- wildly. Yes, true. <laughs> <laughs> And widely considered one of the best chess players of all time. Born in 1892 and dying in 1946, by the age of 22, he was one of the strongest chess players in the world. Mm-hmm. Alakine is known as one of the best attacking players of all time. Stab. He created the Alakine Defense <laughs> Opening and is still widely regarded for his writings on chess. Okay. Alakine allegedly became a Nazi sympathizer during oh. the Second World War. Oh, Here this is the opposite of our last story. Yeah, mm-hmm. and wrote anti-Semitic literature in which he claimed Jews played defensive, cowardly chess. Oh, God. Good gracious. And the God. Aryan chess players played chess that was aggressive and brave. <laughs> God. Oh, my Lord. After wow. the war, he denied that he wrote the articles, but the manuscript surfaced later in his uh, own oh, handwriting. Of course it did. <laughs> he... Literally drank himself insane. Wow. In 1943, in an ultimately futile effort, he was put in a mental hospital as an intervention. Okay. And Uh, then he died three years later. Wow. Wow. That's number three. Uh, Well done. So, well, we got some diametrically opposed grandmasters there, back to backers. The the Jew that's too crazy to be put in a concentration camp and the anti-Semitic Nazi sympathizer who tried to deny it. Number two. Wilhelm Steinitz was born in Austria in 1836 and died in New York in 1900. He was regarded as the first chess world champion in 1866 after beating all his competition and defended his title successfully until 1892. Uh, quick so math, that's, that's 26, 26 years. uninterrupted years 26 as world years champ. of being world champ, yeah. That's a long time to be a world champ in anything. Mm. He is known as one of the fathers of modern chess due to his, due to his advancements of positional chess rather mm-hmm. than the all-out attacks of his predecessors. Okay. He was also hated by his contemporaries because of his ego. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, when you, get to, when you defend a world championship 26 years in a row, uh, I mean, 
Yeah. You kind of you kind of yeah. got the goods, territorial. right? Yeah. He was both a bad winner and a bad loser. Okay. Steinitz apparently once <laughs> spat on an opponent during a match. Oh god. Like just Kapitui, <laughs> that's what I think of you. Spat on an opponent. Yeah. What yeah. do you do? Like is that a, I, I can just look is around going, Is that against the rules? Like is he allowed to spit on me? It is certainly bad etiquette. <laughs> oh god. It, okay, okay. Normally right. just me just hiss. Let's, you know I, actually <laughs> well, hissing in chest, as I recall. I thought he was egotistical at first. I thought that was where we were going to go with this. But to actually spit on an opponent, that took that's a whole... Yeah. He's just a straight-up asshole. I would think yep. that, like, just broaching the line of rolling your eyes at a move would make you a chess asshole. <laughs> yeah, But spitting much. is just... That's, like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. How, imagine how much you wanted to beat him. You're like, oh, God, I want to beat him so bad. They Maybe. must have all just hated him so much. Maybe they were playing chess on Iraqis, also, uh, a.k.a. Dune. Where spitting is a sign of respect. I oh, would right. thank him for changing to a game I could beat him at. <laughs> oh, spitting. Oh, oh yeah. is that the game we're playing now, Wilhelm? <laughs> I can win this game. You're going to kick my ass at chess, I've got spitting I can do. I got tuberculosis. This is going to get gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spit chess had a brief uh, flicker of success, like but the, then petered oh, out. It was like the chess version of the XFL. Precisely. Here's, an, here's a whole new video game I want to see. Like <laughs> Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Uh-huh. But there's just two chess players, and they have all these different spit moves. <laughs> the, ch- the chess game is sitting there on the bottom of the screen. Nothing ever happens <laughs> on the chess board. Chess board. Yeah. It's a lot of just pointing at his tie and then hitting his nose. And, what, if, you know. what if we combine the two and you make it so you can only move your chess piece by spitting on it and pushing oh, it with your spit? Oh, ricochet. So just the whole table and the people nearby gets hit by splash. I got it. Got it. It's like a Gallagher show. It becomes really but entertaining. Hard. It becomes oh. super hard to move those knights, though. Yeah. you got to get them over everything else. <laughs> It could be pool. Yeah. Hold on. I got to move my knight. <laughs> got to get that, that bank oh. shot pop move. Yeah, like I was going to say billiard spit chess. All right. Back to Wilhelm Steinitz. In 1897, he suffered a mental breakdown and was forced to live in a Moscow asylum for 40 days. That's not too bad. Where he played chess with the other inmates and gloated <laughs> about how much better he was than they were. Absolutely. Of course he did. It is suspected that the insanity of his later life was caused by syphilis, and he died penniless. Mm. Mm. I hate dying penniless. What do you do? You you got no money when you're dead. Do chess grandmasters make a lot of money? I don't really see them rolling in the dough, but I would guess that people who love chess would pay to fly them around. I think that .02% probably does okay. Yeah, Yeah, but then once you're done, you're you're not the, the... Toast the, of the town. Toast of the town anymore. They let you die penniless with the syphilis in an insane asylum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I guess, I guess we answered the question, do chess grandmasters get lots of tail? And number, the number one, Bobby Fischer. <laughs> Yay. I heard of that guy. Born in 1943 in Chicago as a six-year-old, he taught himself how to play from the instruction manual of the set he got from a local store. Okay. Mm. So already, God, that's Self-taught, pretty, pretty smart. Self-taught, six years old. Yeah. yeah. He soon joined one of the strongest chess clubs in America, the Manhattan Chess Club, and became a force to be reckoned with on the international stage. At the age of 13, Fisher defeated international master Donald Byrne, and one commentator dubbed it the Game of the Century. Hold on a second. Mm. A grown, can you imagine being an international chess master and losing to a 13-year-old? I, yeah. You want to talk about mental breakdown? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm surprised yeah. that guy isn't on this list. It's yeah. pretty much uh, ground zero for <laughs> mental illness, I think. When Bobby Fischer goes on to like all the things that he ends up winning, you're like, okay, I lost. I was the first guy to lose to Bobby Fischer. Fine. I mean, he made but, the T-shirt. But at the time, <laughs> but at the time, like in the moment, you're like, 
What, what is happening to me? <laughs> what just happened here? Two months shy of his 15th birthday, Fisher became and still is the youngest United States national chess champion and earned the title of international master. Mm-hmm. Fisher won eight United States chess championships between 1957 and 1967, winning every one he played in. Mm-hmm. Even at this young age, mental illness began to show with a lifelong suspicion of Soviet cheating and general paranoia. Right. Mm-hmm. Fisher voluntarily gave up his world chess champion title only three years after winning because the international chess body wouldn't agree to his increasingly stringent demands regarding match conditions. Oh, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. To be in a perfectly clean room. Yeah, oh, yeah a soundproof room. <laughs> to with, check it yeah. for clean, yeah. You that they, they recycle the air every 18 seconds and, you know, uh, no one is allowed in or out. And he, and he sure wouldn't play Magneto, I'll tell you that much. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you that much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did prefer to play in the all-plastic room, though. Mm-hmm. Mm. Just his thing. Well, when you can see through the pieces, you can see the other ones behind much, Mm -hmm. much better. Despite the fact that his mother was Jewish, in the 1980s, his public remarks became dominated by fervent anti-Semitism. Okay. Fisher claimed the U.S. is, quote, a farce controlled by dirty, hook-nosed, circumcised Jew bastards. Oh, God. Oh, God. End quote. Uh, uh, I don't remember that part from the movie Searching for <laughs> yeah. Bobby Fisher, where they brought that up. He sent the Encyclopedia Judaica a nasty letter because it listed him as a Jew and claimed that Jewish agencies wanted him dead. This sounds like mental illness. Uh, yeah. In 1992, Fisher won a tournament in Yugoslavia while it was under embargo. So the U.S. issued an arrest warrant and <laughs> Fisher traveled from country, from country to country to avoid extradition. Wow. Right. The U.S. government revoked his patent for the Fisher chess clock as Ooh. well as any royalties oh he goodness. was to earn. Boy, that was man. probably like a chunk of change. Dirty That's probably real money. That is, that is pretty tough. Following mm. the terrorist attacks on 9-11, Fisher gave a radio interview in which he stated the attacks were, quote, wonderful news. Oh, end quote. nice. Mm. He oh, God. O- yeah. He openly advocated a coup of the United States government and the execution of the Jewish <laughs> overlords running the country wow. yep. and even wrote a letter to Osama bin Laden. No. Oh. <laughs> Where'd he post it to? Hey, Dear the Osama. U.S. should have intercepted that and then followed it and got Osama a few years earlier. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Dear Mr. Osama bin Laden, allow me to introduce myself. I am Bobby Fischer, the world chess champion. First of all, you should know that I share your hatred of the murderous bandit state of, quote, Israel, end quote, and its chief backer, the Jew-controlled USA. Wow. Also known as the, quote, United States. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, end quote. Uh, he or, likes a good pun. Yeah. <laughs> or, no, quote, so cool. Israel West, quote, that's a good pun. <laughs> United States. That was Kevin Leeson calling that a good pun. <laughs> we also have something else in common. We are both fugitives from the U.S., quote, justice, mm-hmm. end quote. He so, likes to quote things. He does. He, he did. If you see photos of Mr. Fisher in, in late in his life, he had the crazy guy beard, too. Oh, yeah. Like, sure. full on, like, you know, a sparrow poking its head out of, the, out of it. <laughs> it's filled with chess pieces. <laughs> in 2004, Fisher was arrested in Japan for using a revoked United States passport, and they nearly extradited him back to the U.S. before Iceland's <gasps> parliament gave him immediate citizenship, Call and he moved back. there. Iceland's Iceland! Iceland! Hey, 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 we're not totally up on... I don't know why yeah. I'm doing that accent. <laughs> we're the Brooklyn Icelandites. Look, I moved here from Brooklyn. I like Iceland because I'm also out of my mind, like most of them. Hey, we need some more crazy people. Get that... Chess playing guy, yeah, over here. guy over here. Yeah, why would the Icelandic parliament issue him citizenship? It's very confusing <laughs> it's, to me. Because uh, he fits? I don't know. I don't he know. did have all those they really testicles like chess in reserve, though, that he'd been hoarding. So mm-hmm. it's he kind once, of a win-win. 
He once called into an Icelandic television studio that was broadcasting a live match in order to point out a missed checkmate by one of the players. Oh, okay. that's not so yeah, there you go. I would See, do that. That was worth that was worth I, the I immediate uh, citizenship right there. No shit. Just caught that that uh, that thing on TV. <laughs> so I was like, ah, it's all worth it. That's hilarious. I'm. I can only guess that what that means is because it, it wasn't that they got to checkmate and then kept playing. It meant that... No, they kept playing if past had, the checkmate. No, if you had made this move, you would have got checkmate. Correct. If it had been checkmate, there would be no moves. Right, right? yes. So what he's calling in to go, oh, you idiot, if you had moved yep. this to here, you would have won the game 20 moves ago. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He died of renal failure in 2008. So, Mr. Woods, as a uh, novice mm-hmm. aficionado of and chess... And an anti-Semite. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. What, what about chess drives people insane? Or is it a chicken egg thing? Do insane people like to play chess? gravitate towards chess mm. i don't know well one of them was syphilis <laughs> one of them was syphilis so we know how that happened i think it's extremely difficult people who are smart enough to tackle anything that are extremely difficult already have to have a heightened view of their you know uh, abilities their technical mm-hmm. abilities and genius and mental illness i mean it, i don't really know the numbers we just right. read about five dudes who went yes. crazy through yeah, the history they of are like, playing chess. There, there were there only like five, five grandmasters well, the, in the yes. history of chess. So oh, but when, by the time Bobby 100%. Fischer, by the time Bobby Fischer became world chess champ in the fifties, there had only been eleven total champs. So these guys mm-hmm. come up and then they dominate for like a decade yeah. or two. The ego that makes a champion also makes a monster. I, it's mm. pretty simple as that. Power corrupts. You have to be a little mm. obsessed with, with yeah. the thing that you're good at to become world-level greatness. Yeah. And mm. that obsession is what yeah. makes you obsessed about other things accidentally right. sometimes, including oh. what the Jews are doing. So maybe yeah, super obsessive-compulsive people kind of gravitate towards chess yeah. because yeah. it's very detailed, process-oriented. Yep. As a counter so. to the insanity, I, would, I was just re-listening to uh, the history of chess. And they talked about Marcel Duchamp, who was a, a Dadaist and one of the heroes of sort of the the creator of the postmodern art movement. Mm-hmm. He famously created the sculpture called uh, The Fountain, which is a urinal pulled off a wall and stuck on a plinth. And then he signed it. Right. He stopped making art in his 30s. He'd have been a lifelong chess player. Basically said he'd, he perfected he did art. everything he had to do. Yeah. And the art thing and mm-hmm. played chess for the rest of his life. Right. So much to the point that he, he got married to a countess, and on their week-long honeymoon, he sat there with a book reading chess problems and ignored her. Oh, and they were she should have dressed up like a bishop. Divorced. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or the queen. Dressed up like the queen. Yeah. I can move yeah. in any direction you want. Yeah. Or, uh, knight me. Ooh. Knight me. Yeah. Knight me. Yeah. That's, That's not right. a move. That's not a move you can do. <laughs> Rook me. Rook okay, me. You don't no. That's another piece. Uh, Pawn me. Uh, Pawn me. I'm right here on E4, all just waiting move. to be captured. <laughs> now the bed is a is a chessboard. Yeah. But he lived to his ripe old eighties, I think, and was I think he did the smart thing. Stop making art. Start playing chess. All right. Oh. Chris, you were the guest of Honor on the uh, body modification episode Honor. that we did. As yes. I recall, yes, that, that was a live episode, was it not? It, it was. was. I have a hot caustic oh. update. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for body modification. Nice, right on. I got one too, but I'll do mine next. This is. <laughs> Sorry, I just I just scrolled past the pictures. This is Venezuela, 2015. Uh-huh. Henry Damon, 37 had already had several subdermal implants on his forehead before having part of his nose removed uh? mm-hmm. to closely resemble the Marvel Comics character Red Skull. 
Okay. Okay. Mm. Yeah, that mm. character doesn't have a nose, but I think people need noses <laughs> as opposed to comic book characters. I think comic book <laughs> characters can live without noses. People right. should have them. Maybe. Well, maybe I, I think people should decide for themselves. But oh. I'm a little disturbed that the character that he is making himself look like is a fucking Nazi. Oh, like yeah. it's uh, one thing to make yourself look like the the totally like Toxic Avenger. Let's say okay. another character right. mm-hmm. without a nose. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. if I recall correctly, amongst other things. But he's a hero at least. But like. The Red Skull is a Nazi who's so evil that he double crosses the Nazis. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I'm gonna look Nazis like that guy. Nazis weren't bad enough. For He's him. too evil yeah. for the for national socialism. Dude, <laughs> the married father who now calls himself Red Skull uh-huh. also tattooed his eyeballs black before adding red and yes. uh, black face tattoos to look even more like the comic book villain. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, God. After meeting med school Mm -hmm. dropout Emilio Gonzalez, who specializes in (laughs) tattooing and extreme body surgery. (laughs) Med school dropout. Oh, good Grease reference. I love it. You bet. Mr. Damon knew this was his opportunity. A friend said of him, He has loved comic books since he was a kid and always dreamed of being Red Skull, but never got around to doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, now I guess now he's jumping now on the opportunity, the opportunity. But after meeting a med school dropout who was the only person willing to cut off his nose. Mm-hmm. Before the procedures, Mr. Damon underwent several physical and psychological tests, according to his surgeon. And this is in quotes for some reason. <laughs> okay, well, you know. Well, med school dropout, right? Mr. Oh, no. Gonzalez. <laughs> Mr. Gonzalez said, Next will be silicone implants on his cheekbones, chin, and cheeks. Then we will tattoo his entire face red, and then he will be Red Skull. The problem with him right now, from the yeah, images, because he's kind of like halfway in between. Com, yeah, mm-hmm. is that he's got a lot of hair. He sure does. He's got yeah. a lot of hair on the top of his head. Well, yeah. he's got some hair on the top of it, a lot of hair on the bottom of his head. Like, why yeah. would he not use a debilitator? Yeah. Like, first thing yeah. he should have done was electrolysis to get all that gone, right? Yeah. So people should definitely go to the mm. website causticsodapodcast.com because we have this guy in stages. Uh, we have a, a before photo where he's there with a female friend, uh, you know, doing a uh, hang loose. Throws right. the devil horns. And yeah. then we've got him with a re- really bushy beard, which is what Torrin was just referring to, but no nose. Yeah. And he's got the <sighs> red, and he's got the tattoos that kind of accentuate his cheekbones or whatever, but he also has like a Klingon forehead, which is not. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. he's trying to he's trying to emulate like the, the brow. It's not working. No, is what I'm it's, saying. It, yeah, it's poor work, I think is what yeah, we're saying. Yeah, it's not, uh, it's not a perfect match, but he's trying. I think what we're saying is if you're going to go for a full facial reconstructive surgery, mm-hmm. don't go to the med school dropout. Right. Perhaps go to the person with experience and training and, you know, a well, diploma. I don't know if the med school dropout had anything to do with the subdermal implants in the forehead. I think he's got to do with the nose and the tattooing. Okay. Which, the nose and the tattooing seems to be the part that's been done right. It says Emilio Gonzalez specializes in tattooing and extreme body surgery, and that's implants. No, but it also said that he had them implants in before. Oh, so that was a problem. He was like, he, he was already like had several. Through. He yeah. already had several subdermal implants when he met this guy. Right. So he so, already had the Klingon forehead. He already and then had like, forehead. Oh, wait a minute. Changed my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Changed my oh, mind. Oh, you think maybe he started out wanting to be a Klingon. Maybe. And then he went, oh, no, no, I got Red Skull on Something the mind. Something like that, yeah. Got it. <laughs> this is a problem I have with tattoos in general. Why I don't have any. <laughs> okay. Because I yeah. know someday I'm going to get over 
Yeah, <laughs> whatever it is, whatever you're it is, I like right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. you so, are yeah. very fickle by nature. It's true. Well, yeah. I like to I like to look back and think like uh, back in the the day, I might have got like a Star Wars tattoo or something, right? Sure. And now, fuck George Lucas. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Uh-huh. So and I would have this permanent Star Wars thing on my body, and I'd be like, yeah, it's but some no, corporate but thing that totally. You're not anti George Lucas and, anymore. You'd be pro Disney. Uh, we'll Oof. see. We'll yeah. see. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic for mm-hmm. sure, but we'll, uh, still, that'll be on my body. However, that movie turns out, yeah. Which is why, I, yeah, I don't. I'm with Torin. So here's the question: <laughs> If you were going to be surgically modified to resemble okay. any superhero, supervillain, any comic book character of description, which would you take? Holy smokes. Chris Woods, do you have a? Oh, uh, just Superman. Yeah. he's got everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Superman. Yeah. The yeah. end. Right, yeah. maybe because then you just Mark. look like a buff dude. Who would I, if I have to get some kind of non-human look? Who would I like to be? You're gonna go Mystique. Mystique, all dark. Then you can transform into anyone. There we go. That's you're already, you've already done Mystique. You are Mystique. This is, yes. wait, Joe. This is right. not imbuing Quit powers. The fun. Oh, wait a sec. This doesn't. What the powers, powers don't come with is, the look? This then is pass. just. This is just pass. surgical altering. This is just doing what this guy did, but for another character. I don't want to look like a comic book character. If I did, I would have done that already. Well, what about you, Torn? Do you have any? Howard the Duck. Obviously, of course. No question. Well, for me, number one with a bullet, Colossus. Right. right. You want to look like a big metal dude? Yeah, big yeah, metal dude. That, that would be, be pretty awesome. That would be pretty awesome. My backup option, number two, Black Widow, because she looks banging in a, in a uh, stretchy spandex leotard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd never leave home. I, mean, I was going to say, man, makes your alone time just that much I, sweeter. I already touch my own boobs a lot. I just touch them a lot more. <laughs> a listener, Lily Love. Brought to our attention several penis-related body mods that we did not mention during our body modification yeah, episode. These are the ones I scrolled by. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to we're going I'm going to start with them with the least intrusive and end with the most intrusive. Okay, and it's related body mods. Uh, urethral reroute, aka perineal urethro urethrostomy. Okay, urethrostomy. I, I know what this means already. I can tell. This is a surgical shortening of the urethra, creating a small hole behind the scrotum with which to pee through. Bah! Okay, because you don't want to pee through your penis. So you pee down. Uh, now, this I'm is not going like, to... This is not a medical thing. We're not talking about medical things here? No, this, these are well, body just... modifications, not for medical reasons, right. but for preference. aesthetics or okay. preference or whatever. Because yeah. you hate being able to pull it out and point where you want it to pee. Mm-hmm. You want to yeah. only pee <laughs> straight down yeah. from behind your ball sack. So I'm going to warn everyone who's listening out there that we are going to post a link to these images yeah, or something. Yeah, they're not going to show up. On the... We're not going to put them straight up, images. but there's some very disturbing imagery no in this section. Because all these things are penis related. So uh, just be aware to see some wang if you're going to go check out these it's, pictures. It's not that they're wang that's disturbing. No. <laughs> I, can look at a, I can look at a dick, man. Yeah. I, yeah but, a dick man. <laughs> uh, I, well, Kevin's right here. Urethral oh. rerouting is one of the numerous steps involved in total gender reassignment surgery should the full male to female conversion ever oh, okay. be opted for. Okay. Okay. There are potential oh. complications and consequences that arise from this altered anatomy. Oh. Complication number one. Due to the shortened urethra, men will be far more prone to bladder infections. Right. Uh, this is doubly true because of the new proximity to the anus. Oh. Ah. So cleanliness oh, around your new urethral oh, hole God. behind your scrotum ah. is essential. Oh, I just imagine a wrong hole uh, problem with your gay partner Do. if you have this thing. Do. Oh, yeah. oh. Oh. Complication number two. Uh, the new opening might need frequent dilations Yee. as a result of stricture. stricture. Now, what oh, stricture is, yes. is when the new pee hole shrinks, narrows, or starts to close up of its oh, own. Okay. Yeah. 
And dilation yeah. is typically performed by shoving a steel rod through your urethra to stretch sure. the new hole open. Right. And Works. I do have a photo of this, well, of the metal rod <laughs> being forced through your ure- urethra to open the stricture. Can't you just, just use those little umbrellas you get in drinks? Oh, yes. And whoop, yeah, just open it up. Yeah, that's right. Too big. Too big. Yeah, that's, a little, that's a more DIY answer. Yeah. Why did he have to put the lime on it? <laughs> oh, it's so acidic. Yeah. Uh, complication number three. Ejaculation will occur through the new hole in a oh. somewhat non-directable fashion. Right. It's right. just a mist. Yeah. Well, I'm saying. You can't, it's you probably can't. still gloopy. It's sublime. No, it just goes from solid to gas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sperm. Sperm gas. Sperm gas. It's like a Glade air freshener. It's like there's a fine film of sperm all over everything. It's the new step up. You, you want to go from facial to lungal. Yeah, all right. There you go. Well, I want to point out that this hole is actually behind your scrotum. It's like between yeah. your scrotum and your anus. Yeah, they put so it in you're your actually going to start ejaculating from the back of your sack from your taint sack back mm-hmm. you're gonna have to change name because it's not a back taint sack anymore. and ass crack there you go morning, yeah, it's the morning zoo something. it's it's no longer a taint because the taint is taint your butthole and taint your penis but now there's actually tis. a thing they're, there they're, it's they're tis. calling it a tis we're gonna call it a tis <laughs> kick me right in the tis <laughs> I love it uh <clears throat> There's another procedure called penile subincision. Subincision. Mm-hmm. This is a form of body modification co- consisting of a urethrotomy in which the underside of the penis is incised and the urethra slit open lengthwise from the urethral opening toward the base. Uh, the subincision is traditionally performed in Australia, but also in Africa, <laughs> South America, and the Polynesian and Melanesian cultures, oh. often as a coming of age ritual. Okay. Well, we have a photo of this. Okay. And uh, basically... You kind of open the bottom like, of your penis. Right. You're like bifurcating your penis to some extent. Like, uh, to some extent. Like when you cook a hot dog too much and it splits, splits. up that seam. Yes. Yes. Which that just a... makes me just hot cringe and just uh, like so cross my legs. Handy though because then you got a spot to put the mustard in. That is exactly <laughs> what it's like, Joe. I think that's a very great description. So your penis becomes like that split hot dog. <laughs> uh, and you and also you pee yeah. from this part right down near your sack again. Oh. No, that's not true, is it? That is true. Because oh, oh, wow. they cut so, it open. Because oh. they cut it open. So your urethra between your scrotum and your, the tip of your penis now ceases to exist. It's now more just like a channel. It's, it's a like, channel for pee. It's kind of like having a vagina in the base of your penis which from if, the, yeah, a little from bit the of that photo i see if, i don't know if you guys had the new toasted sub incision from quiznos it's delicious <laughs> uh, disadvantages include the risk of surgery which is often self-performed and increased susceptibility to sexually transmitted infections okay uh, because sense. now your penis is wide open yeah it's kind of yeah. like just an open wound yeah, yeah. things are getting in there all Put the time viruses and bacteria here yeah. you thought belly button was, belly lint was a problem belly button lint was a problem <laughs> oh god <laughs> Uh, the ability to impregnate, specifically getting sperm into the vagina, is also decreased. Woohoo! Subincisions can greatly affect urination and often require the subincised male to sit or squat while urinating. Right. Mm-hmm. The scrotum can be pulled up against the open urethra to allow an approximation to normal urination, while a few subincised men choose to carry a tube with which they can then aim. Well, this just sounds like well win, done. win, win. Why would you not? D- oh. <laughs> yes, I, I mean I understand in these like Aboriginal cultures where it's beca- it's a coming of age ritual. You're that, a man now. Like, Time to cut your dick down. Right. Cut your dick open, all that jazz. But it was suggested to us <laughs> by our, by listener Lily Love that this is something that some people choose to do. Uh, sure. And that's the part I don't get is why you would choose to do this. So if anybody, any of our listeners out there, have penile subincision, 
feel free to write us info at podcast.com and let us know what 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 yeah. what you did it for. What was the motivation? Pros this is, and what's cons. The rationale. Uh, now the third process. <sighs> Genital bisection. Uh, Genital bisection. Mm-hmm. Hot yeah. diggity. I'm sure you can all guess where this is going. Is this for all genders? Uh, this is primarily for male genders. Okay. I, the, all these modifications I listed were penile modifications. Kevin, if I may, because you're reading this out, the genital bisection is where you go to the prostitute place to buy <laughs> all of their private parts that you can have sex with. Perfect. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the process called genital bisection is the total splitting of the genitals. Okay. It generally refers to the male genitals, specifically dividing the penis into symmetric halves. Hmm. Top and bottom? <laughs> <That's true. laughs> ah, shit, where you do we put that? Just twist the cap back on. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like when you go for a body modification and the guy does it wrong. You know, yeah. like they got that website about bad tattoos. Oh, I went for my genital bisection oh, and he didn't Lordy. do it left and right. He did it he top and bottom. Cut the tip of my dick off. There you go. <laughs> that is the last time I go for bargain genital bisection. Uh, in most cases, the penis remains fully functional, although some rigidity loss during erection is possible. Mm-hmm. The penis maintains its so. form by the two halves of the corpus cavernosum. When they are no longer attached, the penis tends to curve in on itself. Sure. Now, this oh, first picture, this first picture actually is an erect penis, and that's what happens when it gets Yikes. erect: is it curves in on itself. It looks like a heart. Oh, it looks no. like a, it's like a penis donut. Is what it looks like. <laughs> a little bit, uh, which of course makes insertion more difficult, but far from impossible. Uh, nerve damage is a possibility in some cases, but rare when performed properly. Properly. Mm. And the second penis bisection. I don't know why, but the guy's penis is green. Uh, well, he's got tattoos tattooed. on it as well. Yeah. It's tattooed and split. This is yeah. a guy who seems to have a love-hate relationship <laughs> with, with his penis. penis. Yeah. Like, he's like, I'm going to decorate it, but fuck it. I'm going to make it hurt, too. <laughs> like, I don't... Uh, and it, it kind of... It's a you complicated <laughs> relationship with yeah, your penis. Yeah, and it sort of resembles a weapon now. Like, it doesn't... Yeah. It's, it's, a cat, like, cat of two tails? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, a, a, a penis is not the most attractive thing to begin with, I but when you... We don't think so as, as three, four straight white men, yeah. you know, but yeah. When you arm it. Like this, when you make it weapons grade. <laughs> when it looks like a Maori wear, warrior. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what he calls it the Maori prince. Yeah. Maori prince. When it looks like the leftover bits of people after a grenade has gone off, you know, mm-hmm. with little metal bits and cuts all over the place. <laughs> yeah, that's it. not good. That's why people keep jumping on his penis to protect everybody, though. You know, grenade! Like, Oh my God! Put that in my my vagina to keep it warm and moist until we can get myself. it operated on. Well, also, can we get the bisected penis people together with the urethra relocation people? So when the urethra starts to close, you have a similar uh, genital, just like a Torin's uh, cocktail umbrella. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, that's what I wonder about. This is like, what side do you pee out of one side and come out of the other? Like, no, how does that work? Because there's the tube, right? So it's where yeah. whichever side you let the tube go on, yeah. or maybe so, they cut the tube right off and you pee out of the base. Which is what happened in the sub incision. No, no, the in the bisection they still operate. The the okay. penis still operates. So they just choose one or <laughs> yeah. the other, yeah. Yeah, they choose one or the other or you sub and or so you bisect, only if you click the terms well. and conditions though. So yeah. it curls in on itself when it's split and when goes it's erect. erect but correct. can you could you kind of separate them a bit and DP your partner without having another mm. guy there? Is that why they do this? Maybe. I think mm. uh, certainly if you DP did this standing and, for double penetration. Yeah. If you did this mm. and didn't try to single handedly double penetrate somebody, then you're missing out. 
You are not. You are. are you? you are not uh, using this to the fullest extent I, oh, of its okay. ability. I, I would guess so, but I I will bow to your experience. I am that assuming. You're obviously speaking from. I am assuming. I have not gently bisected. Oh, okay. I will drink the whale beer, but I will not yeah. bisect myself. I'm sure it's in the pamphlet somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, so you've decided to get your genitals bifurcated. I'd like to suggest a lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. Uh, have your face modified to look like Red Skull, like our Venezuelan friend, right. for the rest of your life? Now, can we say it's a better version of uh, it? Yeah, like, let's like, say, let's we, say we... It, sure, you will actually look exactly like Hugo okay. Weaving's Red Skull from the Captain America movie. Okay. All right? Hmm. Uh, or be a chess grandmaster that is driven insane at a relatively young age. Okay. So the Bobby, we'll call this the Bobby Fisher gambit. <laughs> and I'm guessing the chess grandmaster means so insane and so uh, able to lead your own life that nobody ever tracks you down and makes you take medication to be better. No, we're pulling. Like this is his we're, full we're, life of yeah. Okay. We're basically talking the Bobby Fisher situation where yeah. you globe hop trying to keep away from those hook nosed Jews running the U.S. government. Yeah. Because they're trying to kill you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, oh. you know, finally ending up in Iceland, making calling into TV shows and 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 calling them boobs so this comes down to would you like to physically look like a nazi supervillain mm-hmm. yep or would you like your brain to break down so that you think like a nazi supervillain <laughs> yeah, basically yeah it's kind of i didn't realize that that's what i was proposing but uh good on me as a chess as an insane chess grandmaster well you're only the grandmaster until you go insane because oh, none so of these i can guys, stop playing chess well none of these guys like none of the guys none of the <laughs> yeah. grandmasters who went crazy okay. ever ever maintain their grandmasterliness. Okay, so I don't have to play chess crazes. for a living. I can do something else. You also do well, not as have... As long as you know that it has to be something you have to you can do while you're insane. You also do not have to uh, fight Captain America to try to gain control of the Cosmic Cube. Yes. <laughs> no. no. Oh, you don't no, have no, to do that. Well, that's all right, actually. <laughs> can uh, I look like the Jack Kirby Red Skull rather than the movie version? Uh, what's the difference? Well, I guess we might have to post a picture on com. Kind of looks like Torn now, except uh, red and no hair. <laughs> yes, the big green unitard well, that has the swastika on the front. He's still missing the nose, though. The nose has oh, got to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's no, right. no nose, no ears. He's a big red skull, but yeah. he's just, you know, a well, the Hugo, goofy looking. Now, the Hugo Weaving version has ears. So mm. you get to keep your ears if you don't choose the Jack Kirby version. I think I, I think I want to go all in. You want to go full Red if Skull? I'm going to go Red Skull. Okay. I want to go classic right. Jack Kirby Red Skull. Sure, you can choose it because mm-hmm. I think the Jack and Kirby the one. Ascot as well. I think the Jack Kirby one is more extreme than the uh, than the Hugo Weaving Captain America one. So if you would like to go more extreme, then welcome to it. Well, I get to fight a dude dressed up like Captain America. Uh, I'm sure you'd not be able to actually, stop it. Like you'd be, yeah. you'd, you'd like be twelve like, of them come out of the woodwork yeah. at a convention. Yeah, yeah. They'd be stalking you day you're, and night. Ironically, you're actually guys. I only look like the Red Skull. <laughs> I haven't actually killed anyone. Guys, right. I'm wearing my brown books? coat. I'm dressed as Malcolm Reynolds today. Uh-huh. Jesus, get with it. Uh, it's actually ironically, it's probably more likely in the Bobby Fisher scenario that you will think you're being attacked by right. dozens of Captain Americas right. at all times. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it's very easy instantly to go I'd very mm-hmm. much rather have a physical problem than a mental problem right. but uh-huh. the chess grandmaster decision does come with me being a genius enough to be a chess grandmaster which right. means that I and I'm going to admit it I'm not but you want to be you want to be as smart so, as a chess grandmaster so mm-hmm. would that insanity be be worth it to be that much of a genius I think I'm going to have to go with red skull mm-hmm. uh, which I would not like but like at least you know I could wear a hat right, right. I could wear makeup okay. uh, I could explain to people that I was in a horrible accident I mean there's people who live with these kind of things right and then my mind is my own i right. kind of live on the internet mostly mm. anyway 
so I think my life would be less impacted and the and the positive benefits of of super easy cosplay right. that would blow people's minds. Right. Mm. Like be, I don't you mind become being a lazy. convention mainstay. Yeah, I don't mind being oh, lazy. Yeah. I'll totally Oh yeah, Red Skull, check me out, right? <laughs> yeah. I'd become like that guy with the Harley's Joker who's so good at cosplaying Joker that he's now like appearing everywhere and getting paid to do it. Right. I'll hmm. do that as Red Skull, whatever. Right. Sure. Hmm. What about you, Mr. Woods? Uh, you, well, I mean, you are a chess aficionado, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but you could also, as a longstanding artist of uh, of note, uh, you could claim that the Red Skull thing is a performance art thing. Also, as okay. we know, mm-hmm. you could be an anti-Semite in either of these scenarios. <laughs> That's true. That's true. There's a very big anti-Semitic yeah. uh, undertone to all of this. Yeah, because that guy was from Venezuela. Uh-huh. We all know what happened after the war in South America. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I'm tempted by the Red Skull because I like, you know, as a guy who has a I have a small nose to begin with, so breathing problems, you know, would yeah. probably enhance. Oh, my... open the channels up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd be you know, yeah, it'd be like permanent claritin, you know. Oh, but at yeah, the same time, be a like, great athlete. But all sorts of insects would fly into it when you're like walking forward, even slightly slowly. How many flies fly into your face now, Joe? You don't know because they bounce <laughs> off your nose. <laughs> hey, I just put like a little uh, juice strainer, tape that to there my forehead, yeah, and it'll hang over my nose. Uh, you're gonna have, have a bug screen in your nostrils. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Screen door. Partially, I'm going to base mine on Torin's decision to go Red Skull. I'm going to go Bobby Fischer, uh-huh. because then I will finally understand chess okay, for, to some for, degree. For 10 years, and then Wait, you'll go are you, are, you, are you saying that you're also going to be surgically altered to look like Bobby Fischer? <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's not funny. <laughs> to look like a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> you get to look like yourself. Well, I already have. Just, yeah, I can, just I can, live the life story. Yeah, I can get the crazy old man beard and yeah, you know, give me a year and I'll I'll crazy old man right. beard you guys back to the Stone Age. Yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> but I also I'm gonna go Bobby Fisher because then Torn's already one of my closest friends. He has no nose. Right. He I know for a fact he's not a hook nosed Jew. Right. right. Okay. And right. Red Skull and Bobby Fisher would make the best buddy comedy movie <laughs> of all fucking time. Just that, imagine those two like fighting over a hotel room. Like so, uh, Chris Woods is kind of painting you in a corner here, Torin. <laughs> I guess I have to go. Answer, I have to go Red Skull now. For, well, whatever Torin picks, as, I will pick the as, the, as the team up. As the team up, uh, sort of. You, know, only, you were kind of leaning towards it anyway, right? The only lingering question I have. Okay. One of the options is to be a chess grandmaster that is driven insane at a young age. Yeah, yeah like Bobby Fischer. Like so he went all, crazy so like 30. I'm, I'm already. So, so at about 13, you're losing it. Yeah. I'm, all, I'm not 13 now. Am I going back in time? And yeah, it, it presupposing magic, magic uh, is happening. Yeah, magic is happening. Okay, yeah. magic is yeah. happening. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Un- unlike the totally real thing, where you look exactly like the actual Red Skull. Yeah, but sure. also, I feel now. So can I can I go back and have my face <laughs> modified as a thirteen year old for as a Red Skull? <laughs> sure. That you magic can... is there too. Yeah, sure. absolutely. I kind of feel like I want to do that then. Mm. All right, so Red Skull it is. Kirby Red Skull. Yep. Now I'm definitely going with Bobby Fischer. It's, oh. Well, two reasons. One is I get to be a grandmaster, and you know you kind of get written in the annals of history and all the rest of that jazz. But the second reason, and really the real reason underneath it all, is that once I go insane, I can spit on people in public <laughs> right. and in chess tournaments, and they can't say boo about it. Evidently, <laughs> it's like right. you get a few free spit pass. Yeah, I've got you, my crazy license. Yeah. Here it is. No, well, except that it ends up in your Wikipedia page for the rest of your life that you spit on some guy. I am okay with that. Yeah, but I you get got the, the I get the the visceral joy of watching somebody horrified reacting to me spitting on them, and then seeing that it's me and going, "Oh, it's just crazy Kevin Leeson again." <laughs> yeah, I mean, anybody okay. calls you on your shit, you mm-hmm. just push it on to the Jewish American conspiracy, and you're. 
but, you know, oh. fresh as, uh, and clean seal, as a whistle. And seal the deal with saliva. Maybe that's something we could do at the next Caustic Soda live show, let you experience that. <laughs> Anybody want to get spit on? Kevin's got a fantasy. Save that as the premium for your next, uh, you know, Kickstarter, oh, yeah, Kickstarter. campaign. <laughs> <laughs> you do have to finish a game of chess, though. That's that's the trade-off. Uh, well, that's like, not... That's... I would allow you to spit at me if you played a full game of chess with me. <laughs> I seriously would. It, uh, honest when, and for true. That's for it, our YouTube channel. It would yeah. not take very long. I'm sure it'll be done in, like, nine moves <laughs> when you play just... the game of chess you win or you lose or you stalemate <laughs> you may want to bring a small kerchief with you <laughs> or a, a brain slicker it's such a weird feeling to know you're alive it's such an awful feeling you're dying inside and when you wake up startled to say i hope i don't go crazy today it's such a bad feeling an ominous feeling a feeling you know that we'll be back when the week is new and we'll have more gross facts for you. And you'll have things you want to hear about. We will too. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while internally hemorrhaging from an Ebola infection. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. I'm Pearl the Knitting Wench. Thanks for listening. Oh, the, recording. Uh, hang loose, fuck you. That's what we uh, got. Okay. Recording. Mm-hmm. You guys are so irreverent. With your... Irrelevant, I think is the word. <laughs> 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 so irrelevant. Had an extra... <laughs> it's syllable. Uh-huh.